I am excited. So my family has been here for five years. Um, you know, I've preached a number of times, but Vanessa has never preached. And as um, Joanne Morimoto was preaching more, uh, the Lord laid it on my heart. I said, yeah, you know, I think that would be really cool to have Vanessa preach as well. So let me go ahead and pray about it and ask her. And so she said, okay, the Lord said, go for it, ask her. And she um, said, I'll pray about it. And the Lord said, go for it. So, uh, yeah, I hope that you've enjoyed having uh, different people preaching. I think this is the most our church has ever had. You know, we had different number of elders preaching. Joanne, we had guest preachers come on in. And so it's been really cool to hear different voices and uh, different styles of preaching. And so um, I'm excited. Vanessa, she's a teacher actually at Kamaki Christian School. And um, she she's teaches the Bible. And like I said, you know, remember she gets better grades than me up at seminary? Much better. And then uh, now she teaches uh, Old Testament to sixth graders, um, New Testament to seventh graders, and apologetics, how to defend your faith to eighth graders. So could we pray for Vanessa? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Vanessa and her heart that is so willing to serve you and, Lord, to bring your word to us. We ask that you would open up our hearts as a church, Lord, to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as Max said, my name is Vanessa, and I'm Max's wife, and um, I'm really excited to get to talk to you this morning. I hope it's meaningful um, in some way, shape, or form. So we're going to talk about Psalm 1, um, but before we talk about Psalm 1, I wanted to quickly summarize where we are at in the Bible, because um, with Pastor Mark and the whole series, you know, we started in Genesis, and we're working our way through the whole Bible, and... Um, I just wanted to see if we could get this slide up. I'll wait a second. Just, I wish I had good jokes, but I really don't. <laughs> I have like one joke that I, you want to hear the one joke that I know? <laughs> okay, so St. Peter, <laughs> that's like a bad start right there. Oh, it's on? Okay, there we go. <laughs> so, um, I was kind of procrastinating on other work, so I started doodling for the slides. So these are a little bit unusual slides. So you can skip through the first one and then just go straight to the second one. Okay, there we go. Okay, you can go back to the first one. Max <laughs> likes it just to show everybody my first doodle. Oh, maybe it's not there. That's okay. No worries, Adina, we just go back to the, the bookshelf. Okay, so where we are in the Bible, can you tell it's a bookshelf? All right, so we started in Genesis, and um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Of course, we didn't do all that, but those are all the books of the law called the Pentateuch, the five books, and we go from creation and then the fall, and then we find this man Abraham who has Isaac and Jacob, and then Jacob has these 12 boys who end up in Egypt, thanks to their brother Joseph, and they survive the famine. And then they go from a little family to a huge nation, a nation that becomes a threat to Egypt. And then, of course, they get enslaved. And God comes to the rescue through Moses. And Moses comes, and there's a ten plagues and the Passover, and they cross the Red Sea. And do they go to the Promised Land? No, because they don't have faith and so that's where the law ends. So we end with Deuteronomy. 
And then we move into the historical books. You're like, why is she telling us all this right now? I just think it's important because we're going through the whole Bible and we're shifting into a new section of the Bible. So it's good for you to know all this. And you probably already know it, so it's probably just review. But anyway, historical books, we have everything from Joshua. So this is entering into the promised land. And then, you know, we saw um, Judges. We went through the book of Judges together. And there were no kings. And then the people wanted a king. And then we got King Saul, and that didn't work out so well. But then Samuel anointed David. And then we finished last week with Max. And um, David was getting ready to hand over everything to Solomon and to build the temple. And that's where we stopped. And I feel like it's kind of unfair to leave you hanging. Like, what happened? Did they build the temple? Yes, they built the temple. And as you know, um, Solomon was very successful. And, uh, well, very successful, I think, temporarily because then his son started squabbling and then the nation of Israel split into half. So you had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom had really bad kings. And God sent prophets to warn them and say, stop sinning, stop sinning. But did they listen? No. And so they end up all going into exile, never to return. The southern kingdom story is a little bit different because they had a few good kings. And those few good kings made all the difference in the world. So they were also exiled 70 years later, but a remnant would return. And so they return. And then you have um, kind of a rebirth of the nation of Israel. They, build the, they rebuild the temple. They rebuild the wall. Okay, and that's where the historical books end. So you see the beginning, you have the law. And that's, if you're trying to read through the Bible, you might get stuck there because it really is just law and law repeated. Then you have all the history of the nation of Israel. Okay, the next book, which we're starting in today, is the poetry section of the Old Testament. And so, of course, when we read the poetry section, it's going to be a totally different style than the other books. So in the poetry books, we have Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. It's a totally different style, um, as you'll see today. And then after that, we have the major prophets and the minor prophets, and then we move into the New Testament. So that was probably more than you wanted to hear about that, but at least you know where we're at. So today we're going to start the book of Psalms. Did you know that the book of Psalms is made up of five books? So actually within the book of Psalms, there are five books. Um, David wrote many of the Psalms. Um, there are 150 psalms. He wrote 73 of the psalms, um, but not all of the psalms. And of course, the psalms were originally meant as songs, like the worship songs that we start with in service every day. Uh, they're meant to be sung and put to music, um, both as worship to the Lord, but also for, our own, for um, the, the worshiper's own sake, too, for focus and understanding. Okay, so that's an introduction to where we are at. Can um, go to the next slide now. The theme. Okay. The theme of Psalm 1, before we read Psalm 1, I just want to get in mind what the theme of the psalm is. Who are you listening to and what influences you? Right? These are really important questions to consider. In fact, I think Psalm 1 is so important and so foundational that I make all of my sixth graders memorize it. Um, and I think this is really appropriate to um, people learning how to make decisions, like teenagers. You know, um, 
teenagers are on the verge of a new season. They're going from childhood to like adolescence, and they have to make all these decisions. And um, as parents, as a parent of a 13-year-old, you know, I pull Miley in and I try to give her advice. Who's going to be your influence? Who are you going to listen to? What inspires you? And, you know, Max and I try to give her advice, and we just hope that she listens, and we hope that she understands that we're not trying to ruin her life, but we just want her to be blessed and to have a wonderful life. And, you know, she might not always interpret it that way, but that's truly our heart. And so when we look at Psalm 1, that's God's heart for us as we read. He's not trying to ruin it for us. He's not trying to make us miserable. But he's like this amazing father that pulls us in and has his talk with us and tells us, listen to me. I just want the best for you. Um, I think... um, One thing that's really significant is it's at the very beginning of the book of Psalms. And so it sort of sets the tone for everything. Um, And if you notice in the Bible, at important times of transition, God will remind us that we have a path to choose. So this psalm sets forth two paths, the right path and the wrong path. In the same way, you know, when we looked at the books of the Bible, at the end of the law, Before um, Moses dies, he tells the people, you have two paths to choose from, the good path or the junk path, right? And Joshua, before he goes in to to conquer, you know, he reminds the people we have a path to choose from. So the same way here in Psalms, the very beginning of the book, we have a path to choose from. So if you're at a point and transition in your life, We all have transitions into new seasons all the time. In fact, our whole church is transitioning into a season. We have to keep these words in mind, right? We have a path to choose. So let's go ahead and read Psalm 1. You have Psalm 1 in your notes, so you don't need a Bible unless you'd rather read it in your own version. This is the NIV version. Um, Of course, even within the NIV, there's some different wording. This is the one from the Bible that Max gave me a long, long time ago, and I like it. So let's, uh, I'll just read it for you. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." So you can refer back to that as we go through. We're going to go through verse by verse. So what is the first word of the psalm? It's blessed, right? So you can fill in that first puka in your note. God wants us to be blessed. The whole point of this psalm is because God loves us, and he wants us to be so blessed. So this psalm is a beatitude, just like at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, right? 
blessed, blessed, blessed. He's telling us how to be blessed. It's, he's not trying to keep it some mystery or some secret, okay? Just like with our, your kids or people that you care about, you're not trying to like make it hard for them to be blessed. You, you try to make it as plain as possible. Um, of course, we know that the chance of mess-ups is 100%. I know for a fact that my kids are human and that they're going to mess up, guaranteed. And the same thing with us. We know that we're going to mess up. But yet we can strive to do the best we can. Okay, so what sort of blessings are we talking about? Because this is not some prosperity message. I was thinking, what would my kids' ideas of blessings be? Well, for Miley, it would probably be like Alamoana gift cards rain, like raining down from heaven like manna. For Sky, it would probably be like going to Disneyland every other month or maybe every month. For Cruz, it would probably be a guinea pig for Christmas or a red Ferrari. Um, and, you know, that's cool. That's their vision of blessing. Um, but that's a very different version of what I would have in mind to bless them. So I might not have as cool of ideas of blessings as them, but I think as a parent I have perhaps more perspective on a deeper, more meaningful, and greater blessing for them. And God is the same way, you know. We might really want um, Ala Moana gift cards, Disneyland, guinea pigs, and red Ferraris, but God has something much deeper and much greater for us. Uh, I just want to share a little example of what this blessing might look like. Um, so I work with a lot of students, and uh, we pray for them. And, and, you know, as a teacher, these kids really become like your little flock. And so when you see a student's not doing well, it, it, it's a big deal. And so I had one student, he wasn't an A student, maybe just like an average student, but he did fine. But all of a sudden, um, you see the grades tank. You see there's no work happening, and it just becomes this pattern. And pretty soon you see the demeanor change and uh, just not flowing with everything the way it used to. And um, you try to figure out what's going on. Of course, they're not doing their work. But, um, but besides that, is something else going on? And you pray and you try to figure it out. And, and sometimes as a teacher, you just don't know. And you can tell the parent, well, the grades aren't looking so good. But is there, is there something else going on? So I was praying. And um, after school, kids come in for tutoring or just to hang out or do their homework. And I had a student come in. And they kind of were dropping hints about something that might be going on with this other student. And um, I gently started digging, you know, and come to find out the student was making some really poor choices. Some really, you know, they don't realize how detrimental it can be to them. They just think it's fun or whatever. But some really, really bad stuff. And so I had to call the parents. and uh, She was a friend of mine and just say, hey, you know, I don't know if this is true, but this could be going on right now. And um, it was hard. She cried, and uh, we had, she's not, they're not believers or anything, so we, 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 but we prayed together, and um, 
you don't know what's going to happen after that. But I, I saw this amazing transformation after that where the student didn't suddenly become an A student, but the student started sitting near my desk all the time and um, handing in their work on time and complete. And you could tell, you know, when a student just goes through the motion and does their work or when they put that little bit of extra love in it, and it might not be a perfect assignment, but you know there's heart that's put into it. And the student started smiling more, and the student started interacting with kids in a healthier way not perfect but just in a and just in a nice way and you could tell the student had um a sound mind again and i think that's what blessing looks like it comes as a sound mind a smile the ability to to be productive and to put love into the work that you're doing and to focus and you know he didn't show up to school with like a lamborghini that's not blessing to me to me blessing is to see the inside whole and starting to thrive and blossom and that that person could become everything that God had intended for them to be. And so as we look through this psalm, I want to ask you, what areas of your life do you think that you need God's blessing in? Because God wants to bless you in those areas. Maybe it's a marriage, relationship, friendships. Maybe you have a dream. Um, God knows. And so I pray that you would be blessed because that's God's prayer for you. Okay, so let's go ahead and read the whole of verse 1 again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Now, as you saw from reading just through the whole psalm, it has a contrast, right? So we're contrasting the wrong way with the right way. So this verse 1 has uh, the wrong way. We can move to the next slide. Okay. So these verses are warning for what not to do. Okay. And at first I thought it was kind of odd, like walk, set, stand, sit. What is the deeper meaning in that? Um, is it just accidental that those words are like that? You know, do, am I reading too much, trying to see too much into it? Um, but obviously it looks really intentional because walking implies this motion, standing, no motion, and then sitting, this idea of settling, right? So walk in the counsel of the wicked. So walking is the direction you're going, right? So we're all on this journey of life, these paths of life, and we're choosing the direction we go in. So God does not want us to walk in the counsel of the wicked, when we follow the way of the wicked, we follow advice and mindset of people who don't have a godly worldview or the same values. Examples of that are media, you know, a lot of the junk that's in the media, or people. Maybe they're like a super successful person, but maybe their, their success is not the same kind of success that we're striving for, right? So we don't want to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Or stand in the way of sinners. So why stand? To me, standing is like getting set in those ways, kind of like hairspray. It's set in that pattern. So at first you start walking in that way, and then it becomes your pattern, like your habit. Um, I said hairspray for women. I guess hair gel for men. That's a, it keeps it all in that place. But that's not a good place to be. 
And then finally, to sit in the seat of mockers. So that's when you're settled. You're settled to that place. And that's the opposite of loving God and loving people. It's the idea of mockers, like mocking the things that are good, going against those things that are good. Um, you're not moving forward. It's kind of like concrete. Once it's dried, it's set in that place, and it's hard, and it's hard as rock. And that's when I think of God talks about that hardened heart, like the heart of stone, where it's just so hard now. It doesn't have any more of that tenderness. It's none of that um, life in it in the same way. Uh, I also think of, you know, in Chronicles of Narnia, I don't know if you're familiar with the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, but the witch, she goes around and, like, freezes everybody so they're turned into stone. Mr. Tumnus is especially sad. And then you have Aslan that comes and, like, breathes life. Aslan is symbolic for Jesus, right? And he breathes life on everybody, and you see them come alive again. And so walking, you know, you're still alive. Standing, you're kind of getting frozen into place. And sitting, the life is just hard, is, is not there. But Jesus, of course, can bring back that life. Okay. So now we're going to compare to what is good. So if we go into verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. So you can fill in the second blank. Delight in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, Max and I were just talking about the word delight. We don't really use the word delight that much, but it's such a delightful word, right? It's, so, it's such a nice word. I, I want to use that word more. So, What does it mean to delight? It's what gets your attention. It's what excites you, inspires you, what brings you joy. Um, I think of delight as almost like, not quite, but kind of like being in love, right? Like you delight in a person's presence. It's something just so wonderful. Um, so much so that you meditate on it day and night, right? When you're in love, you just think about the person day and night. Honey, that's how I feel about you. Yeah. Like when you're in love. I think about you all the time. But the point is, delighting in God, right? Intimacy with God, and that's how God wants us to feel about him. And um, So, you know, we all have our own relationships and walks with God, and I can truly say um, that Jesus has saved my life in so many ways, and, and spending time in the word and in his presence is is the like is is my source of sanity and my source of peace and joy and um when i think of jesus i think of a leader that i can trust and sometimes it's hard to know who you can trust but jesus was completely selfish and completely wise and completely loving and so one of my favorite parts of scripture is the sermon on the mount Matthew 5 through 7, because that's Jesus' instructions. And I love to just read and reread and reread that part of the Bible. Um, I find that when I don't know what to do and I don't know which way to go, which happens all the time, I just go back to those scriptures. And even if I can't apply them perfectly in my life, they bring so much comfort. And um, 
it's made all the difference in the world to be able to rely on the word. You know, we all have uh, different dark ages of our life, and I'm so grateful that when Max shared us about his dark ages, it's always funny and entertaining. My dark ages would just be depressing and sad, and I'm so glad that God had taken me out of that. Anyway, let's move on to the beautiful picture that's in verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. It's just such a beautiful picture. What are the qualities of a tree? A tree grows over time. It's not instant, right? It starts slowly pushing its roots through the ground, enduring, strong, stable. I love this idea of combining strength above, in the ground, it's just beautiful. Um, planted. So like a tree planted by streams of water. It, it, uh, if you notice, the word planted is in the passive voice. It's the only passive voice in um, this verse, which means that who did the planting? Who planted the tree? To me, the, the passive voice is the voice of grace because it's not something that we can do on our own and our own strength. The tree didn't plant itself, but God planted the tree. So even though we're given this choice of two paths to choose, still right in the middle, in the heart of everything, you see God's grace. Um, the next part is streams of water. Did you notice that streams is plural? There's an S. I always thought it would be singular, right? You just think of one stream on its own. You don't usually think of like multiple streams together. I don't think I've ever seen that unless it's like a flooding situation or something. There's only one thing, example I can think of in uh, southern France. There's this big delta and uh, it's called the Camargue and there's all these white, wild white horses that live there. That's just, if you want to Google it, it's really beautiful. But that's the only example I could think of. And I just think it's really neat because it shows this abundance, right? This beautiful nourishment that comes from all these directions. Okay. Um, what does a tree do? It yields its fruit in season. Notice it doesn't have fruit all the time, right? It has the right seasons, and it comes when you expect it to come. And the leaf doesn't wither. I was thinking, what's the opposite of something whose leaf withers? I think of like a dead Christmas tree, right? This is not like a dead Christmas tree. It's a beautiful, thriving tree. And last, everything you do prospers. Every, the person who takes this course, everything you do prospers. It just seems like such an unreasonable promise. What do you mean everything I do is going to prosper? But this is such an encouraging word to us because as you trust God and as you choose to follow God, you can know that God is going to be with you and that everything you try will prosper. And that's kind of an encouragement to go for it. Like if you're trusting God, you can go for it. You can pursue these wild and crazy dreams that God gives you because you know that he will help you and provide for you and nourish you and help you grow through it. So hopefully that can be an encouragement to us. 
from. To trust that God will make sure everything works out and to not live in fear or the inability to move forward, but knowing that God grows it. Okay, we're going to go into verse 4 now. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Um, So this is the contrasting part. Chaff is a part of the wheat that doesn't have any use. So I was thinking it's Halloween, right? So my example is like candy. The good part is on the inside, and the wrapper is like the chaff, the useless part. So if you went up to a kid and gave them all candy wrappers without candy in them, they'd be really mad at you. So that's the chaff, right? It's useless. Everybody understand what chaff is? Okay. The chaff, in contrast to the tree, right? So the tree is strong, enduring with roots. Chaff is like flies away in the wind. So the way they beat the wheat and then the chaff blows away. It's not strong. It's certainly not enduring. And the tiniest of wind blows it away. And it's kind of like people who are on the wrong course, the smallest of temptation, the smallest of issues will just take you off course, right? We don't want to be like chaff. We don't want to be like a useless wrapper. We don't want that. We want to be the fruitful tree. Okay, I'm wrapping it up now. Um, Let's go to verses 5 and 6. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So you could fill in the third blank. What inspires and influences you determines your destination. So we saw there's two paths. There's God's path, and then there's kind of like what we think we should do. Kind of like a teenager, right? The teenager has a choice to listen to their parents and trust that they have the best in mind for them. Or they can say, you know what, Mom? You don't understand. This is fun. You're so out of the loop. Blah, blah, blah. Just let me do what I want to do. Can you tell I've had this conversation numbers of times? But God is really hoping that we do things His way because He has wonderful things in store for us. And we don't have the same perspective as God. We don't have the same experience as God. And we certainly sometimes think we know better because, after all, We're in the loop of our lives, right? But we have to trust God. Um, If you think of uh, Moses at the Jordan, he had the opportunity to enter into the promised land. But instead of trusting God, he trusted the spies, the counsel of the spies who said, no, 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 we can't do this, it's too hard. And he gave in to the discouragement and he ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. And contrast that to Caleb and Joshua, who had faith that God could do it, who had faith that God knew what was up more than what they knew what was up. And then Joshua and Caleb got to go into the promised land and got to experience all those blessings. So in conclusion, Everyone wants to be blessed, right? But are you willing to trust God, obey Him, and do what's right? 
The Lord watches over the righteous. If you choose to follow God, God will make sure you prosper and that things go well your way. Jesus says in Matthew 4.19, Come, follow me. So let's not be like a stubborn teenager who says, I want to do it my way. But let's trust our Father in heaven. He's 100% trustworthy. He's the best leader we could ever have. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you love us, that you want us to be blessed. Help us to live lives that would honor you. Help us to be like trees planted by streams of living water. Help us to not be like chaff that's just blown by the wind and blown away and it doesn't stand. Father, thank you for what you have in store for us in this next season with Pastor Mark coming back. Help us to just trust you and move forth in courage and not in fear. And um, if anybody's going through anything in their lives right now, would they just know that you are for them? and that you want to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.